Looking to expand your Amazon selling to other foreign marketplaces? Or maybe you want to see if you can source your products from other countries other than just China? Well, India might be the answer for both of these. Today, we're going to talk to an expert on both subjects who is going to let us know all of the latest and greatest for selling and sourcing in India. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. As FBA business owners, we've put thousands of hours of hard work into growing our businesses. But what happens when you've grown the business as much as you can and don't have the time or resources to take it to that next level? Enter Thrasio. Thrasio has acquired over 125 Amazon businesses from owners just like you. With more than 600 experts at the top of their field in brand management, growth marketing, creative, and supply chain, Thrasio's operating team can grow your business exponentially. Once you've sold your business, simply celebrate a lucrative exit and watch your personal wealth grow while your brand flourishes in Thrasio's portfolio. To connect with Thrasio's deal team, visit thrasio.com slash helium10. That's T-H-R-A-S-I-O dot com slash helium10 for more information on if your brand is a good fit for Thrasio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon or Walmart world. And we've got somebody from the other side of the world. It's right now here in my time. It's Sunday evening at, uh, what is it, 8 o'clock p.m. But uh, what time is it over there, Megala? Hi, Bradley. I'm in Singapore, and it's 12 p.m. here on Monday 12 morning. 12 p.m. On Monday, okay. So you're we're going back to the future with me um, here. But if I uh, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, I look a little flushed, or if you're listening to this, I sound a little out of breath. I just came from a Sunday night is basketball night here at my house, and uh, that's where I, I record this podcast. And you guys maybe have seen on Instagram before. I have a full basketball court at my house with a humongous Helium Ten logo. So I'm seven days a week Helium Ten here, even when I'm playing basketball. So I'm still catching my breath. I'm a little bit old to be playing basketball, but but you got to stay in shape uh, somehow. So anyways. We're not here to talk about my out of shapeness, Megla. We're here to talk about uh, some of your specialties, and, and this is now the the third time you've been on the podcast, and the other times you've really enlightened us about you know selling in Amazon India, sourcing uh, from India, especially you know for for sellers that are selling in Europe and selling in, in the United States. And so we want to you know talk a little bit about what's new in that world. You know, um, the last time you know we you were on, it was you know right smack dab in the in the the middle of the the pandemic and. You know, we talked about sourcing from from India, especially since, you know, there was a lot of issues, um, you know, going on with sourcing. But now uh, I think, you know, in the last year, probably the biggest issue um, that, that has been going on is the shipping times out of China, which is, you know, where still most people source from. And so my first question is just, you know, me personally, you know, stuff that used to take me like once it once it hit the docks over there in, in China, you know, it would get to, to the U.S. port in like two and a half weeks and then maybe another week or, or so to get to me after customs and all that stuff. But now, the, you know, that same one month shipping time door to door is like three months plus uh, for me. I'm just wondering is, in you, in, you know, from your network, are, are, if you are sourcing from India, is it the same shipping times? Is it like the same things that are affecting the, the, sh the ships coming from China? Is it also affecting um, India sourced uh, items as well? So it is affecting shipments from India, but to not 
um, such an extreme degree, like it is affecting uh, shipments from China. And there are a couple of reasons for that. So first of all, most of the shipments from China go to the West Coast. And so that's why that's where most of the congestion is, because, you know, China, of Mm. course, ships the majority of um, imports coming into the U.S. are from China, whereas from India, most of the shipments go to the East Coast. So it's not very congested at the East Coast. And we haven't been seeing that many delays on the East Coast. I mean, maybe a week to 10 days, but nothing is close to what we're seeing uh, from China, uh, you know, with shipments going to the West Coast. In terms of um, cost increases, so there have been increased increases in shipment costs from uh, both China and India. But again, from India, the costs have been um, have not increased that much as much that, as they have increased from China. So just as, as an example, um, um, maybe a, around last month or so, the cost of a 40-foot container from Mumbai to New York was around the $12,000 mark, whereas from China, 40-foot is around 15000 and above. So I think that's, um, you know, that's something to consider as well. The shipping costs have not gone up as much as they have from China. In fact, last year, um, container costs were up to $30,000 from China. But hmm. from India, the max that they had gone up was maybe around, you know, 15, 16 at that point when it was um, uh, going up really, really high from China. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Um, now, just, you know, in general, I think... Uh, some people are saying, you know, the, the growth, at least, of e-commerce in the USA has slowed. I mean, it, it, it grew so rapidly during the pandemic. It was crazy, like four or five years of growth, what would normally take in, in one year. But now it's not necessarily completely slowed to a halt. But obviously, you know, as things open up, it's going, um, you know, it, it, the curve is kind of flattened. But, you know, I was reading this article um, in, in eMarketer that actually in India, e-commerce is just continuing to, to skyrocket like uh, India and the Philippines, but obviously India is a, a lot bigger country than the Philippines. But, but can you talk about that a little bit? Um, like I was looking at some of the projections of, of how e-commerce, um, matter of fact, let me pull this up here. Yeah. Retail e-commerce sales in India, 2021 to 2025. And it's like, you know, according to this chart I'm looking at, it's supposed to like double just like within the next couple of years. So like what, what's, what's behind the, this huge increase over there? Yeah, so e-commerce sales in India are breaking records. So just to throw out some figures, in 2019, overall e-commerce sales, and this is just for the festival season in October. So, you know, similar to uh, the U.S. where you have um, Christmas season, there's this festival season in October, November in India, because that's a festival of Diwali, which is sort of like the Christmas Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, in the U.S. So during the one-month festival season in the U.S., uh, I'm sorry, in India, uh, October, November 2019, sales were $5 billion U.S. dollars. 2020, okay. in the same period, it was $8.3 billion U.S. dollars. 2021, can you guess what was what were the sales in 2021, October, November, that one-month festival period? No idea. I'm assuming you're going to give us some <laughs> flabbergasting number here. <laughs> $9.2 billion U.S. dollars. And that is almost double the amount of sales mm. in, 2020, in 2019. So, of course, the, the pandemic and COVID and everything has had a huge impact on e-commerce sales in India, as it has, um, you know, everywhere. But overall, even, you know, regardless of the pandemic, what's really happening is that uh, a lot of the tier two cities 
are getting, you know, people in, in these smaller cities are getting access to mobile phones and 3G and 4G connectivity. So overall, internet connectivity and, and adoption of internet is increasing, and therefore there is an increase in e-commerce sales. So even without the pandemic, e-commerce sales would have grown, and they were growing even before the pandemic. But of course, because of um, the pandemic and lockdowns and all, it has just skyrocketed. So yeah, e-commerce sales are growing really fast. And Amazon and Flipkart, those are the two key marketplaces over there. Yeah. Flipkart is, of course, owned by Walmart. And uh, between the two marketplaces, they control about 80% of uh, the overall e-commerce market. And um, Amazon Seller Services, their sales increased about 50% in the financial year um, of 2020 to 2021. And then similarly, um, there's one website called Mintra that's old, owned by Flipkart. They reported an increase of 44% uh, in, in overall revenue. So, yeah, I mean, my point is e-commerce is booming in India right now. It's, it's just growing significantly. Okay, so now you know those those two main ones, you know Amazon and Flipkart. The last numbers I I saw, um, you know Amazon is 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 number one. But, um, Flipkart, it's you know like maybe a little more than half or so. But you know like in America, it's similar. You know it's Walmart who's number two, which I guess makes sense. You know that's Flipkart over there. But but I think the gap, at least online, of course, I'm talking about you know is a lot bigger between Amazon and, and Walmart here. But a lot of the Walmart sellers uh, a lot of them are selling on amazon first or they are already selling on amazon before uh before walmart.com what about in india are these like completely different kind of niches like for example there's wayfair in america which is like mainly like furniture and things like that so it's not this a lot of the same sellers that you see on amazon but in amazon india uh, or and or in flipkart are these the same sellers same products or are these different uh niches so they're very similar. In fact, uh, Flipkart is older than Amazon, and uh, it was set up as an all-in-one kind of platform where you know you can buy everything. So it was sort of like Amazon in the U.S. And then, of course, Walmart came along and uh, bought Flipkart. So um, yeah, very similar in terms of product categories. You can buy everything on both of these websites. And uh, typically, the products that really sell well um, on both of these websites are um, electronics. Those are the number one categories, and especially mobile phones. Those are doing really well. Then we're also seeing um, a lot of people buying appliances online and not only small, you know, kitchen household appliances, but bigger appliances like fridges and TVs and, and all those things. And then health and fashion are also big categories. Um, we're seeing things like, um, you know, gym equipment and uh, supplements doing really well. And another category quite interesting was is chocolates <laughs> and other types hmm. of food items. So for some reason, Indians love, love you know, all types of chocolates, especially during the festival season, of course. There's yeah. um, uh, people buy gifts and give, give chocolates as gifts. So, yeah, those are some of the categories that are growing well on, on both platforms. Okay, now what about the the makeup of the origin of the sellers? You know, the, uh, as we know in USA, of course, there's a lot you know a lot of American sellers, but there's tons and tons of of sellers that are based in China um, as well, and then a, a spitter spatter from from around the world, you, you, people who originate from around the world. Uh, in India, is is it like ninety percent of the sellers are based out of India, and then the rest of the ten percent are are from from foreign countries, or you know, I know you you might not have the exact number, but if you had to guess, what would it be? 
Yeah, so the majority are based in India. And there there are a lot of brands selling on Amazon and Flipkart as well. So, for example, you know, the international brands like Samsung, LG, all of those have uh, their, their marketplaces. But again, those are Indian companies and they're already selling offline in India. And so they're just extending their reach, uh, you know, on Amazon and other marketplaces. So, yeah, but in, in terms of general independent sellers, I would say, I don't know, 95% are um, based in India. I don't see wow. a lot of overseas sellers currently selling on Amazon India. And I think there's such a huge opportunity that people should tap into. And I think one of the reasons why it's not um, why there are not so many sellers from other countries is because it's not easy to set up an Amazon India um, account. You need to have um, a, a GST registration and you need to have mm-hmm. a company in India in order to set up an account. Of course, there are other ways to do it. You could maybe partner with somebody and, you know, so, but there, there, it's not as easy as just setting up a U.S. Amazon account where you don't need to have um, a company in the U.S. So I think that's one reason why there are fewer uh, overseas sellers. Also, India is a very different market. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, if you're coming from the US or Europe, you have to understand the types of products that are in demand, the culture. And um, it's also a very price sensitive market. So a lot of sellers don't do well because they don't understand that, um, you know, profitability is going to be, they're going to get profitability in mass sales. So it's not, uh, you're not going to be selling high value products and, uh, you know, uh, having high profit margins, but you're going to be selling a lot more products and then you have smaller profit margins. So you have to be able to sell at scale in order to be profitable in Amazon India. Okay. Good to know. So, you know, when, when you say it's a little bit harder uh, setting up, you have to set up a company. What, what does that entail? Like, you know, me personally, you know, I'm based here in California, obviously. Uh, I mean, do, do I need to know somebody there and they would have to, you know, go into local courthouses or something to file paperwork and things like that? Can I do it completely remote from here? We just had somebody, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. I had somebody on the podcast a few weeks ago from uh, the company Z, Z-E-E, you know, and they, they said they help people in different countries. We didn't talk too much about India. We we're mainly talking about like Australia and, and Japan and stuff. What's that process like for a foreigner to set up a, a, a Indian-based company? So, um, yes, you've got to set up a company in India, and you also have to have a local director in order to um, have a company. Mm-hmm. But there are services, there are service providers that provide these services, so it can totally be done online. You don't have to visit India, but you have to um, you know, get these service providers to help you, and they're usually, usually chartered accountants and uh, lawyers and all. So... They will help you set up the company. They will also provide a local director. And of course, you'll have to pay a fee for that. And most importantly, they will help you with your GST filings. So in India, you've got to file your GST, um, you know, taxes in your GST filings every month. And it's a very long drawn process. And also th- these companies will help you do that. They'll also help you file your tax returns. So it is an expense and it is, uh, you know, something that you have to uh, spend time and effort to do. So if you're really a small seller, you're just starting out, maybe it's not the right um, step for you to take. But if you're an established seller and you're doing really well in the US and you have product categories that are in demand um, in India, then this might be a good step for you. The other thing I want to mention is that Amazon India themselves, they have a team that's known as the International Brand Partnerships. And they are actively looking for global sellers who are doing well overseas on other Amazon marketplaces and who want to launch on Amazon India. So um, I've spoken to this team a couple of times. And in fact, I've also helped introduce a couple of brands from Singapore 
to this team over here and they're super helpful. They can, um, you know, help you in a couple of ways. First of all, they can advise you on how to set up um, a company in India. Or if you're not ready for that, they can also help you partner with existing importers or existing sellers. And then those sellers act like distributors of your product on Amazon India. So that is an option as well to consider if you are maybe, you know, if you're doing well in other marketplaces, if you're an established seller in other marketplaces. Okay. All right. Let's, let's uh, switch gears now. Um, and let's talk about the other side of, of the supply chain, you know, uh, before selling, you know, got to, got to find a supplier. And so in the past, you know, we, we've talked about the kind of, the kind of industries, I guess you could say, or materials that, that, that India, you know, specializes in where, where regardless of shipping issues or prices that it's actually from day one, a better, a better, um, idea to go to India than China. You know, I, I believe in the past, you know, some, some different textiles and, and other things. What, what about now? Now we're in 2022. Um, what are the top kind of like categories that, you know, if I'm going to get into this category, as far as on, on the retail side, Hey, if I'm going to start selling this on Amazon, wherever I'm selling it, I need, I should probably consider some, some Indian based, uh, manufacturers. Yes, and there are certain categories that we're already seeing a lot of Amazon sellers have success in. And the biggest category is home products and home decor items that are made from uh, natural materials like wood, metal, um, you know, cotton, jute, those kinds of natural eco-friendly materials. That is India's strength. And a lot of these products are handmade or, you know, even if they're machine made, there's some component of handcraftedness in, in these products. So these are things like, um, you know, wall shelves that are made of mango wood. Now, mango wood is very specific to India. You won't be able to find it in China. And it's a very durable, long lasting, uh, low cost wood that's also very sustainable. Um, and so there's things like, you know, wooden bowls and trays and other products that are made out of wood metal um, again huge variety of brass aluminium steel whether it's home decor items kitchen items cutlery um, you know pots and pans and urns for example so lots of those kinds of things baskets so laundry baskets and other types of storage baskets that are made out of eco-friendly materials such as cotton jute all of those things macrame products so that's, again, a lot of uh, sellers, you know, whether it's wall hangings or planters, a lot of macrame things are doing well, too. Um, Textile-based products, that's another huge category. And we're seeing um, a lot of organic cotton products coming out of India and being, you know, bought by Amazon sellers. So there's furnishings, there's bed sheets, bed covers, bedspreads, cushion covers, baby products, a lot of baby apparel, baby, um, uh, you know, bed sheets baby diapers, like reusable baby diapers. Hmm. Um, also kitchen textile based products. So aprons, gloves, all of those things. The other category that I'm seeing a lot of interest in is fashion and specifically leather products. So things like leather wallets, leather travel bags. So travel is, you know, people are interested in travel again and uh, people want to travel. So we're seeing like those um, leather duffel bags or travel bags. That's uh, Those are in demand. Other types of leather garments, like leather jackets. Also, eco-friendly products. So these are things like Arika palm leaf plates or other um, bags and fashion products that are made from plant-based materials, for example. 
So, yeah, I mean, these are some of the top categories that I'm seeing sellers um, source from India and be successful in. So if you are considering any type of handmade product or product made from eco-friendly natural materials, India is definitely the place to go, and especially organic cotton. India is huge in organic cotton, way better than China in terms of the number of suppliers and also the authenticity of uh, certifications of organic cotton. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Now, you know, a, a lot of people know this, but some some might not. Um, you know, people think that Alibaba.com is only for, for Chinese and manufacturers. It's not. You can find tons of, of suppliers uh, on Alibaba.com also for India. But what are some other ways that people could go? You know, maybe there's something you just said there and, and they're like, hey, th- that's my category. You know, where can I go other than Alibaba.com to, to find uh, suppliers? Yes, definitely. So um, I have founded a website called indiasourcing.net. And um, uh, on the website, we have vetted manufacturers and exporters. And uh, there are also a lot of service providers that we featured on the website. And the reason I launched this website is because there was no other platform that was really focused on India. Every All of the other platforms, Alibaba, Global Source, they're really focused on China. Of course, there are Indian suppliers on those platforms as well, but they're kind of buried. You know, 95% of suppliers uh, over there are from China. So, yeah, you can go to indiasourcing.net, search for any supplier that you, uh, any product that you're looking for. All the suppliers have been vetted to be manufacturers and exporters, which is really important when you're sourcing from India. You don't want to source from a domestic-focused company because they have no idea of the export, uh, you know, requirements or or the uh, product safety requirements, for example, in in overseas countries. So you want to make sure that you have an export experience supplier. And um, there are also lots of service providers, so sourcing agencies, freight forwarders, um, lawyers, photography services, all types of services that you might need to source products from India. Another good way of finding suppliers is going to India to a trade fair. Now, there's this trade fair in India that's uh, organized by the Export Promotion Council for Handicrafts, which is a government organization. And it's held every um, April and October every year. And it's sort of like the Canton Fair of India. Um, There are about 3,000 manufacturers, exporters at the fair. And all companies are export focused because this is a 100% export focused fair. So you'll find really high quality companies there. And um, it's it's known as the Delhi Fair or EPCH Delhi Fair. It's actually a very well-established fair that's been held for, I don't know, like 20 years or so, but it's grown significantly over you know the last 20 years. When I visited the fair for the first time, um, I think early 20s or so, there were about 700 exhibitors at the show. And today they're close to 4,000 exhibitors um, at the show. So that's a really good show to visit if you are serious about sourcing from India and, uh, you know, you can get to touch and feel the products and and talk to the suppliers face to face. So, yeah, that's something to consider. All right. Well, well speaking of that, though, um, you know, uh, a few months ago, as you know, uh, I, I went to to Dubai and then I went to Pakistan and I was going to go to I even had my ticket ready to go to Mumbai for my first ever time to India. So um, I remember I had to get a visa, you know, so like I, I don't think that had anything to do with COVID. Uh, uh, sometimes we Americans are spoiled, like we can just go anywhere with our passport. But, you know, there are some countries we act, apply first, but it was pretty easy. Like I found this website and, you know, uh, I, I got it within like two or three days. But I ended up not going because that was around the time that Omicron started hitting. And then the, the you know, Mumbai was shutting down and all these other cities. I was like, oh, I don't want to get stuck uh, over there. And I only have like my my carry on luggage here. So so I, uh, I got an earlier flight home. But you know, we're in, uh, you know, March, 
now, uh, March, April, what's the status of like, uh, you know, getting into the country? Like, like, do you, do you have to have a vaccine? Do you have to have the, you know, COVID, you know, PCR test before? Is it open to tourism? What's the status? So currently it's a hundred percent open. There are no restrictions as such, no requirements for quarantine or anything, but you have to show your um, vaccination certificate. That's for sure. Okay. If you're not vaccinated, then you need a negative um, PCR test. But otherwise, it's completely open to all countries and um, travel is completely open. And in fact, um, yeah, visas are very easily available. And I think nowadays you don't even have to pay for uh, the, the visa fees. The visa fees has been waived as well to encourage oh, wow. more people to. So, yeah, I mean, it's completely That's not fair. Open. I had to pay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, why didn't they do that before? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then. Also, the Delhi Fair that I mentioned earlier, that is actually being held in March. So end of March, they're hosting. Um, it's going to be a smaller fair, not as big as it usually is. But the bigger fair, in the, uh, it's, it's going to be held in October of this year. So, yeah, I mean, if you are considering, you know, going to India. Well, then where I is that going to be? It's going to be in Delhi. Okay. And the, the, that's so that's the airport that people would, would fly to. Yes, that's to, right. Is it, there, okay. So, okay, let, let's say we, regardless, I'm going March, I'm going whenever to, to Delhi. You know, me, I'm the kind of person, they call me a bird serial killer because I like to kill two, three, four, five birds with one stone when I travel. <laughs> I, I, that, which is why I was trying to go there, even though I was going to Dubai and I was going to Pakistan. Let me go to India. So, you know, people out there who might be like me, of course, you know, I want to go there and get, look for a supplier or something in, in this Delhi trade show, but I'm a tourist too. So, Talk to, t talk to us. What, if we go to Delhi and we want to go, you know, sightsee to other places, rank like the, the top three destinations you think we should go to after, either before or after we go to that Delhi show? Okay. So first of all, I have to give a plug to my trip. So I do have a guided okay. India trip that's coming up. Uh, I, I hosted the first one in 2019. And of course, after that, it was on, on pause. But the next one is scheduled for October uh, 2022. And of course, Bradley, you're invited. And I think you're going to be coming as well. <laughs> so uh, I definitely uh, hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so totally agree. I mean, you should First of all, visit factories. So the trade show is about, it's it's a five-day trade show, but I think if you spend about three days at the show, that should be good enough. Um, so spend some time at the trade shows and then organize some factory visits. So a lot of the production hubs are around Delhi. So you could arrange maybe some, uh, you know, a, a car or maybe take a bus or something and visit some of these uh, production hubs that are maybe four or five hours by road from Delhi. So for example, there's a city called Moradabad which is basically the production hub for metal products. And there are a lot of wooden products also manufactured there. And so you could, you could visit that city and, you know, maybe do three or four factory tours. Um, I would also say in terms of cultural or places to visit, first of all is Taj Mahal. That is uh, one of the seven wonders of the world. And uh, you should definitely visit that. And what city is that uh, closest to? So that's in Agra. It's in the city of yeah. Agra, which is again about four to five hours by road from Delhi. So on India sourcing trip, we also go to Taj Mahal and we hire a full bus and everybody goes together and it's sort of a day trip. But if you're going solo, you could definitely, you know, hire a taxi or their buses going there as well. That's one thing. I would also encourage people to, if they're more adventurous, to go to Jaipur, which is a very beautiful city, lots of uh, forts and ancient, you know, buildings to see over there. But there's also a lot of manufacturers of wooden products and gems and jewelry and semi-precious stones. So um, a lot of suppliers as well. And there's history um, over there as well. 
Okay. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Now, um, for those who just can't, you know, they can't go to your trip. They just can't go, you know, to India at all. It is, uh, you know, the websites you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, the main, the main ways, uh, are there other ways like, you know, directories of sourcing agents or what are some other ways that if I just cannot go to India, which is suggested, um, but I can still take advantage of finding a, a supplier because it's not, it's not required. Like, it's not like guys, Hey, unless you actually physically go to India, you're, you're not going to have success finding an Indian uh, supplier. So other than your website, you know, Alibaba and others, what else can somebody do? Are there any like online trade fairs? You know, like there's that Canton fair from China's, they have like an online website and things like that. Is there anything like that out there? So, yeah, I mean, first of all, totally agree with you, Bradley. We don't have to visit India. In fact, the last three years have proven that you can do virtual sourcing. You know, in China, uh, they've been uh, everybody has been sourcing from China virtually and also from India. So, yeah, definitely you don't need to travel. So there are a couple of things. First of all, these websites, um, Alibaba, Global Sources, IndiaSourcing.net. And um, there, there are also various export promotion councils in India for different industries, and these are basically government organizations, and they are tasked to increase exports in their specific industries. So I would suggest to search for your uh, industry, your category, and then uh, Export Promotion Council. And then once you're yeah. on their website, they usually have lists of exporters in that category. Now, of course, you, you can't be too narrow. For example, if you're sourcing you know, ceramic mugs, you can't search. There's no Export Promotion Council for ceramic mugs, but there may be for overall ceramics, right? So they may have a, a supplier list of like hundreds of suppliers that make all types of ceramic products. And then you have to sift through the list and find a supplier that makes ceramic mugs and make sure that they have experience in your specific market and they, then they can make uh, you know products that you, that you want. Um, and many of these lists are very basic. So you'll just have like the contact information and maybe the phone number, the website. So you'll have to sift through the list, but they're very good quality lists because they're all exporters. And only companies that are members of these export promotion councils are listed on in those uh, supplier directories from these councils. So that's another good way. Um, apart from that, I would say just Google. You know, most of the suppliers have websites. Although I also have to add that um, sometimes really large suppliers don't necessarily have good fancy websites. So mm -hmm. the website that you see of a supplier is, is not necessarily a reflection of their capability and you know their size. But because Google is not blocked in India like it is in China, so most of the supplier websites are um, ranked on Google. And so you can just do a, a Google search and find some of these um, suppliers. There's another website that will often come up in search results. It's called indiamark.com. And I would suggest to avoid this website because... There are a lot of exporters and manufacturers, but the majority of companies on the website are actually trading companies and other types of companies that actually focus on the domestic market. And I have heard so many stories of people buying products from you know suppliers on a, a, a India Mart and then not being able to export them from the country because the supplier does not have an export license or the supplier was not really a factory and they ended up with bad product. So I would, you know, if you do use India Mart, just make sure you're vetting the supplier really well. You're doing your research and and you're confirming that the supplier is indeed a manufacturer and an exporter, and they are indeed, you know, who they say they are. Because unfortunately, yeah. there are, you know, bad apples out there who are trying to just uh, make a quick buck, and they claim to be factories and they claim to have exported to the U.S., but actually they haven't. Okay. Now, you know, speaking of that, I, w I remember, um, you know, maybe two, three years ago, the first time we, we spoke on this podcast, you talked about how 
you know, we were talking about pros and cons uh, about, uh, you know, getting your stuff manufactured in India. And there's going to be pros and cons no matter where you get your manufacturer's product. But one of the cons was uh, where China might be better than India's at that time, you know, Chinese factories have tons and tons of experience with Amazon sellers and with exporting. And it's like they know the game. They know all the, the regulations and they know what things they have to have and the FBA stickers and and, you know, shipping times. And, and they just because they've been doing it for for a while. And then but a lot of the Indian uh, manufacturers, while they might be very experienced with what they do, is, is mainly just, you know, producing products domestically. And so maybe they don't know that they had to have this special FBA sticker or something on the outside of the pallet or little things like that. But now it's three years later, you know, ha would you say then a lot of these factories now ha have developed that experience or uh, tell me, tell me about that. Yes, um, it has changed significantly in the last three years. And uh, we're seeing there are a lot more factories, first of all, who want to cater to Amazon sellers, because a lot of the factories, they're so used to catering to big importers and, and you know, retailers, and they wanted high MOQs, but they are kind of being flexible and uh, they, they're, they're more open to catering to smaller or doing smaller orders for Amazon sellers. They are definitely, um, uh, you know, more familiar with labeling requirements and how to ship to um, the app, you know, Amazon warehouses directly uh, as well, especially for freight forwarders. Um, so yeah, definitely. And uh, it's improved in the last three years as more awareness as more Amazon sellers are sourcing from India. Um, there is increased uh, interest. And I'm also seeing some suppliers, they want to sell on Amazon US, you know, themselves, like they have their own brands and they are maybe interested in selling directly in Amazon um, US. So not a lot of suppliers, though. Most suppliers uh, we talk to, they're still interested in just doing, you know, manufacturing and the B2B part of the business. But then there there is yeah. increased interest in B2C and selling directly to consumers as well. Okay. What about culturally? What should foreign foreign to india sellers know you know like, like every country has different cultures and norms you know whether it's what has to do with negotiation or or whether it's like you know in china you know try and try and make personal relationships and, and give gifts on on their you know major holidays or, or things like that um what are some things that uh, we should know about you know how we should negotiate or, or how we should do business within with an indian supplier so one of the most important things is relationships. And in India, relationships is currency, even more than it is in China. In China, of course, relationships are important, but in India, it's even more so. I've even heard suppliers, um, you know, not do business with buyers, even though they place good orders because they didn't get along with them or they were, you know, the buyers were kind of um, too pushy or they just didn't have a good relationship. So if you do have a good relationship with, with your supplier, then in the long term, that really pays off. You can get better pricing. You can get better terms. Um, sometimes they'll even send samples to you without you having to, you know, pay for the shipping even. And so there's a, a lot of benefits in the long term if you develop a good relationship with suppliers. And the way to do that is is quite simple. You know, first of all, just be a nice person. <laughs> That's sort of universal right. everywhere in, in the world. Yep. But um, also, you know, don't be like the know-it-all buyer and don't be very pushy. Like That's something that I feel, um, you know, Indian suppliers, they um, don't really like about importers. Work with your supplier as a partner and make sure that they are growing as well. And so, for mm -hmm. example, if you have, uh, you know, if you get some reviews on your uh, product, for example, that they have made and, you know, you get really good reviews, share the reviews with them 
and say that, hey, look, you know, you made this product and it's getting such good reviews and this is what people are liking about a product and vice versa. If you get bad reviews, share it with them as well. And I find that Indian suppliers, a lot of them uh, are very proud of their work. And so, um, you know, that's something that you can, you know, cultivate, work with them as partners. Um, Also, in terms of negotiation, I would say that most suppliers do expect uh, buyers to negotiate. So that's Mm -hmm. um, something that you should do. But don't negotiate only on price. There are so many other things that you could negotiate for. And, uh, you know, specifically like terms uh, or or packaging or uh, including additional features of the product or maybe enhanced material. So don't focus on negotiating only on the price, but think of other ways that you can get a better deal. Okay. Well, what about terms? Are, are these kind of like standard? Like, you know, in China, um, I, I make a PO, they accept it 30%. Usually I put a deposit and then the product is ready. I pay the other 70% and then they, they ship it out. Is that kind of standard uh, in India as well? Or is it a little bit different or what? Yes, that's kind of standard as well for Amazon sellers, 30%, 70%. But if it's a new buyer, then and if it's a very small order, then the advance uh, deposit can go up to 50% as well. So I would say 30 to 50% is the deposit. And then you get your inspections done. And after the inspections have cleared, then you pay the balance. So that is pretty standard. But uh, once you start placing repeat orders, you can definitely ask for credit. And Indian suppliers and even some sourcing agents will be happy to extend credit to you. And that can be really, really helpful, uh, you know, for your cash flow, especially if you're sourcing in high volumes. So once you are once you've established a relationship with the supplier, I would say um, try to get some credit and try to get some better payment terms where you're actually paying them after you have received the goods and after you've started selling uh, your products in Amazon. Okay. All right. Well, um, you know, every time you're on here, you give us a, a 30, a, a 30 second tip. So what's a tip you can give us? It could be about, you know, sourcing from India. It could be about selling in India. It could be about touring India, Indian food, anything, uh, or it could be about Singapore where you, where you live, anything you want. It could be about. Well, what I want to say is don't miss the boat. This is the time to start looking into sourcing from India. Uh, and stay ahead of your competition. There are lots of Amazon sellers who are seeing success sourcing from India. So just jump on the boat. Don't miss it. This is the right time to get on the boat. And this is the right time to uh, you know, diversify your sourcing, to have that China plus one strategy. Don't put all your eggs in one basket and um, you know, come to India or source from India. This is a great opportunity for all Amazon sellers. Okay, and then um, you know you mentioned them briefly before, but uh, how can they find you on the interwebs? Either that sourcing web uh, website you made, or the uh, find out more information about that that trip in October, things like that. How can they find you out there? So first of all, indiasourcing.net. So uh, you can go there, search for suppliers, contact them directly. Indiasourcingtrip.com is where you can find information about the trip and um, um, the dates. And we're we're filling up pretty fast. We've already got about fifty people who've con- who are confirmed for the trip. And our max capacity is around 80 to 100. So if anybody's interested, they should sign up now. And um, also, uh, we have a Facebook group. So just search for Sourcing from India on Facebook, where we share a lot of resources, do live webinars. So that's another way to get in touch with me. All right. Well, I hope uh, to see you there in October. Uh, if not, we also have, um, I'm not sure if you heard, but in September, we have the biggest Amazon seller event ever in Las Vegas, Sell and Scale Summit. So guys, look for more information on that forthcoming and, and hopefully Megla will, will be there uh, maybe exhibiting. Um, are, are you in our, our partner directory yet on directory.helium10.com or not yet? Yes. Yes, we are. 
Okay, so there's another way, guys, that you can uh, find Megala. Uh, go to directory.helium10.com and find her contact information there. Uh, Megala, thank you so much. Not many people uh, are interesting enough to come on the podcast three times in, in our history, but you're you're one of the the chosen few here. So let let's uh, look forward to making it maybe a fourth time in, in 2023, and let's see what let's see what's new then. That's awesome. I'm honored, Bradley. Thank you so much for having me.